Welcome everybody, episode 166 of Martinis with Scott, a show about winning momentum in life and in business. Let's, just before I tell you about what happened that made me laugh, cheers. Hope you've had a great week. Great to join you for a drink. <laughs> I know, I know, this is, uh, this is just vodka and a glass of ice. Um, because my garnishments from my bar were stolen by someone in my household, apparently, and also my... My shaker is dirty from someone else in my household. So I just started shooting this show about 10 minutes ago and about five minutes or 10 minutes into it, I said the word navigation. Hey Siri, navigation. I've turned her off. And so when I started talking about navigation and a trip that uh, I am taking starting tonight, uh, Siri took over my uh, iPad that I'm recording on and she said she can't find a trip and, and, uh, and ruined the whole show. So I had to stop and delete that recording and find a way to turn Siri off. And I guess I have done so. So let's move on. Is COVID over? Is the whole global pandemic coming to an end? It feels like it is, right? I know this is my personal interpretation on this and other people are struggling and what have you. But um, <clears throat> I leave tonight for a business trip. And in the next 10 days, I'll be in 11 cities. Some of those are repeated. So, you know, I'm kind of going here and back there, that sort of thing. But yeah, 11 stops in 10 days. Feels like the old days. Feels like the old days. I know for uh, our American friends, my American uh, listeners, associates, people I do business with, they're just back like this never happened. Uh, in most of the states, not all of the states. Cheers again. So I was having a, I want to talk today about mental filters. Mental filters. And a mental filter is a type of cognitive uh, distortion, uh, psychologists might tell you. <clears throat> so it's a biased way of thinking about ourselves in the world in which we operate. A cognitive distortion, mental filter. So I was working on my uh, private, uh, sorry, personal branding website with the marketing team a couple of days ago. And for that, I have to write the copy, the text that goes on to the website. And I've been, and this is really not for Sinclair Range, my business. You can go to SinclairRange.com, see what we do, all that sort of stuff. You can register for our newsletters, uh, which you ought to be doing if you haven't been, because that gives a great uh, update on a monthly basis uh, with respect to our uh, business and my business. Uh, but this is a personal website. Um, and I forget what the dame's domain is going to be. We'll talk about that uh, when we're ready to launch, which is still a few months away, I am sure. Um, but the personal website is more about my content that I produce. And the idea is, um, you know, uh, business turnarounds, uh, life turnarounds. And, and uh, I've come up with, on the business side, really a three-legged pillar, a three-legged steward, a three-pillar um uh, packaging of the content that I provide and I was arguing with the the marketing people about that and so the three pillars are and forget and don't forget this is a business context okay you're running a business you're in trouble the three pillars of my content are you you because as a leader as an owner um, you are part of the problem and you need to change uh, to get out of trouble the second pillar is leadership right so the business needs to change. We had a long talk about that. I'll get to that sort of later in today's episode here. Uh, but the business needs to change. And to change, you need leadership. And so that's the second pillar. So you, leadership, and then technical. And what do I mean by that? The technical skills. You need to, 
as I say on the website text, uh, which you'll see in a few months, um, because running out of money during a turnaround is not an option. You need to have the technical skills to do a cash flow, to understand uh, asset-based lending and availability and financial instruments and that sort of stuff, but that's not enough. You also need to be a turnaround leader. You need to be able to empower your people and you need to, you need to work on yourself uh, because if that wasn't true, you wouldn't be in trouble more than likely. And then, so I was trying to understand what work on yourself means. How, what's a better way to say this other than you? And the heart of the content really comes down to positivity, um, empowering your people, so not being authoritative um, in a turnaround situation, which sort of bridges on the leadership, but also your own your own issues. But really, the positivity is a big one for me, and you, you listeners to my content will know, I talk about positivity all the time. And so I'm trying to think to myself, well, what, how do I describe that in words? And I came up, I, I wondered if mental filter is a word, because clearly it boils down to habits, and then what I believe to be your cognitive distortion, the way that you view facts and look at things and think about things. So I Googled mental filters to see if that was something that I could talk about. Sure enough, it was. And that's the way the content is uh, heading. But in the course of doing that, I ran across an article in 2017, I believe in Success Magazine, by a fellow named John, J-O-N, Patrick Hatcher. Never heard of this guy. He claims to be, I'm sure he is, a cognitive behavioral therapist. And the article is called 20 Stealthy Mental Filters That Are Sabotaging You. And um, it was a great article. I thought it was a, a great article. It's obviously a few years old now, maybe close to four years old now. And I have no idea who John Patrick Hatcher is. Um, so I do like to give, I would give more of a reference to his content if I had any idea who this person was. I just picked that name up from the article. Uh, but you can Google this, I'm sure, and, and you'll, you know, you can research it further if you want. But the reason I raise it is um, I want to talk about these 20 mental filters that Mr. Hatcher um, wrote about in Success Magazine because, um, because they're really interesting. And a lot of them I agree with, and we talk about all the time on Martinis with Scott. Some of them I don't agree with. Um, what are your thoughts? Let's go through these. And what are your thoughts? And if you have some of these cognitive distortions, these mental filters, how are you going to deal with it? What are you going to do? And again, this applies to in, in the article of John's uh, relates to your life. It doesn't just relate to business or to business at all. It relates to, um, as I said, that are sabotaging you, not sabotaging your business. So he says there's dozens of uh, common mental filters, which is true. When you have this, this, uh, Scott Adams would describe it as one movie, uh, sorry, a movie on a screen. And so, you could, you know, there's two broad factions in the U.S., for example, politically, socially speaking. And so there's two movies on one screen. You see the same set of facts and interpret them entirely different. Well, the truth is we all operate through filters. We've talked about mental filters. We've talked about that many times on uh, Martinis with Scott. And the, these mental filters are the way our brain works. We 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 have the answer and then we search for facts that fit the answer. That's called a filter, right? We, so we have the answer up front and then we look for facts that fit that or we distort facts that are contrary or we ignore facts that are completely contrary as if they weren't even real, okay? And, and that's what a cognitive bias is. 
that's what a cognitive distortion is. That's what we talk about mental filters, which is that sort of the preconceived answer. And so uh, Mr. Hatcher here says that, you know, there's 20 directly, there's 20 filters that are very common and directly inhibit or prevent your success and your joy in daily life. So there's the setup. And so filter number one, negative predicting. Negative predicting involves foretelling the future in a negative light. Um, there's typically just as many, and he says, you know, this is just wrong. There's typically as many reasons that things might go right. But, you know, if you have the idea that you're going to give a presentation at work, right, or you're going to go on a trip, or you're going to go meet a new person and ask for a date, instead of thinking things are going to go well, you just you just predict that things are going to be chaos. They're going to be terrible, right? Negative predicting. So uh, negative predicting uh, leads to, according to John, insecurity, lack of confidence, fear of failure. 100% agree. If you're negative, if you view everything as you're going to fail, it leads to a fear of failure, a lack of confidence, insecurity. And as I've always said on this show, you know, you need to, um, you need to think positive. Uh, and it's not because positivity in and of itself that there's a specific power in that. The biggest power of positivity is that you're not negative because negativity is is the big issue. It leads to paralysis. It leads to uh, lack of action. It leads to fear. It leads to all sorts of terrible things. And so I completely agree with that. I was, you know, you think about an athlete and um, I, I was... Uh, strong in athletics for a while in certain categories and you'll say you know you need to visualize winning you need to visualize does visualize winning as an athlete mean you're going to win no right it doesn't you can't just visualize your way could i visualize my way to being in the nba no i could not do that i'm a middle i'm past middle age i'm a middle 50 year old uh, uh, white guy who's not very tall and terrible at basketball Right. I'm not going to be in the NBA and I can't visualize my there, my way there. But if I was qualified to be in the NBA and I was I didn't believe in myself that I believed that I couldn't do it. If I believed that I was going to lose, could I be successful as an athlete? No, it's the power of not being negative. That's really important. And uh, so negative predicting is a filter that you just see all too common and you need to break that. By the way, you break that a couple of ways. I'll talk about that at the end. But one way is you start winning, right? Just anything. Just pick something and win. And then you gain momentum. There's a reason. There's a reason Martinis with Scott is called a show about winning momentum in life and in business. All right, number two, unrelenting standards. So unrelenting standards is the mindset that extremely high standards are required to avoid calamity. This is letting the, uh, the great being the enemy of the good. Um, you know, you've heard that expression, speed kills. I like to say in business, lack of speed kills and, and your prejudice needs to be to get it out the door. Perfection is a sign of lack of confidence. You know, it's, it's interesting. I actually struggle with this personally. I'm a bit of perfectionist, particularly in writing and in math and in presentation. I'm not a bit, I'm, I'm completely obsessed with perfectionism in this and I don't know why that is. It, it may be because I was trained as a professional. I'm a, I'm a professional chartered accountant, uh, a CPA, if I were to use the right uh, acronym for that. And um, when you're an accountant, you can't make mistakes. You just 
you just can't make mistakes. So it's drilled into you. This is the element of professionalism is to deliver it perfect and deliver it on time. Right. And, that, and, and not to be a jerk about it. That I mean, that's pro professionalism in a nutshell. So maybe it's because I was trained that way or maybe it's because I started being entrepreneurial in my late 20s. And, uh, you know, I was on the uh, Zoom call uh, FaceTime early this morning with my father and I had this haircut and they're like, hey, my mom and dad are like, it's getting really great. You didn't get it dyed. I said, no, I've never had a diet. And then I told him the story. I remember when I was about 30, I was really tempted to actually dye my hair to put some gray just in the size because I figured that was worth about 100 grand a year to me um, as a young entrepreneur who was doing pretty well, but who was never taken seriously sometimes. Or I felt that. I don't know if it's true, but my lack of uh, confidence at the time because of my age, my insecurity because of my age, um, <laughs> led me to believe that I ought to have maybe some greater temples and uh and so maybe my perfectionism my my goal for that my struggle for that has to do with when i was much younger i felt like if i was uh, 29 30 and i was in the middle of a large investment banking deal and i was making errors on slides or errors in grammar or errors on excel spreadsheets i just couldn't afford to do that that would just ruin me because i couldn't hammer home the preconceived notion of potential clients and lenders and bankers and equity people that maybe I was just a young punk who uh, didn't take things too seriously. And so I don't know why I struggle with that, but that's a, that's a big one for me. So unrelenting standards, uh, black and white thinking allows no middle ground or shades of gray. Nothing is ever black and white. And, and, um, you know, I talk all the time about my ATM OG, uh, acronym for for negotiation and persuasion. I won't repeat that at the moment because I'm going to run out of time. I'm certain of that. But persuasion requires trust. That's the T in the ATMOG, and uh, and trust requires empathy. Empathy requires understanding or is understanding of the counterparty. Nothing is black and white. You need to look for those shades. But I would also say that that I think a, a bigger um, more deadly negative cognitive distortion is thinking that everything is shady and nothing is black and white, nothing is absolute, and therefore you're unable to make decisions. And I see this all the time in troubled companies, all the time. Yeah, we can't do this because I always say that when you walk into a troubled business, everybody knows the answer. Ask the employees, they know the answer. What they don't do, what they don't know is the context and how to get it done. They don't believe it can be done because of the shade. They they just they just don't make decisions. Okay, so beware of that one. Beware of the black and white. Um, it's true. There's nuance and everything, but you also need to make decisions. So I don't think either. I don't think either cognitive distortion or mental filter is the right answer. Number four, masturbation. No, no, you heard that wrong. M U S T masturbation involves having steadfast rules about how you and others must behave. I'd never even heard this word before. I looked it up as a psychology word. Um, how well, I mean, I don't know how this applies to business, but think about just life in general. Evolving having steadfast rules about how you and others should must behave, the emotional consequence when the expectations are not met are anger, frustration, resentment, and guilt. 
How relevant is that to today's woke culture? How much time and energy in people's life is wasted on social media trying to hold others to a standard for what? For what? For no other reason than virtue signal to prove to yourself that you're not a terrible person. You're not a terrible person because you're holding somebody else to a standard that's completely unreasonable masturbation with you. Number five, self-serving bias. For many, being right is more important than the facts and feelings of the others. Oh my. In business, <laughs> when you work with troubled companies, I always talk about you need to skip senior management. You need to skip middle management. You need to go straight to the employees. You need to ask them what's up. You need to ask them, why is this company struggling? How do we make more money? Why do I tell you you're doing that? You're doing it because you're 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 getting past the 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 cognitive bias, the cognitive distortion of senior and middle management, which is what? Which is, no, no, we already tried that. It doesn't work, that bias. And then they look for reasons that they're right. And by the way, it's a negative cognitive distortion as pointed out by John here, but it's completely natural. We all do it. Our whole human experience is based on, is based on pattern recognition is based on pattern recognition. And and if the pattern recognition is that doesn't work, right, um, then it's more important to you to be right and, and not experience the cognitive dissonance, the mental anguish that comes with being wrong. That's way more important to you than saving your job, saving the business, saving the jobs of all your uh, employees. When I say it, when you hear it, you think, well, that, that can't be true. But it is true because, you know, you could fail and you can blame somebody else. And that's way easier mentally and emotionally than admitting that you're wrong, okay? Uh, six, basing future decisions on sunk costs. Um, what is a sunk cost? A sunk cost is something that has already happened. And if you're making a decision on something that's already happened, well, that already happened. And you can't unchange it unless you have a time machine. I'm going to guess you don't have a time machine. So you can't come back and unsay what you just said. You can't go back and unsee what you already saw, right? Those are sunk costs. And to make current decisions based on those sunk costs is just bad critical thinking. On Martinez with Scott, we talk about critical thinking all the time. If I'm at the roulette table at the casino, which I have been from time to time, and I bet on red, and I lose, and then I bet on red, because it's gotta turn black, right? It's it's 50-50 except for the greens, so it's a little under 50-50. Um, uh, I bet on red again and I lose, and I bet on red again and I lose, and I and I and 10 times in a row, it turns up black. I'm betting on red every time, and it turns up black 10 times in a row. It's gotta be a certainty, doesn't it? On the 11th time that it's gonna turn up red, I'm gonna win the 11th time. I could just keep doubling my bet, and I could make it. And the answer, what are the odds of it spinning black again? And the answer are, the answer is slightly less than 50 because yes, it will equal out over time. If you forgot about the, if you forget about the green, uh, the, often on most wheels, there'd be two green spaces. If you forgot about those, well, then it would over time be 50% red and 50% black. But that's, you know, infinity is a really long time. And so, at a micro time, at a micro level, on the 11th spin, it's still 50-50. It doesn't matter that 10 times it went black in a row. It doesn't matter. And by the way, that's the reason for table limits. That's the reason that you can't just keep doubling forever. It doesn't work. And I have lost on that. It was a tough lesson when I was younger to understand that infinity is a really long time. 
And so believe me, believe me when I tell you that. Uh, seven, the fallacy of fairness distortion. Assumes that things have to be measured, uh, sorry, things that have to be measured based on fairness and equality, when in reality, things don't work that way. You know, I don't see that a lot in business because business is more of a competitive culture, uh, a team building culture, whatever the case may be. Um, but, in, but, in, but in life, like in outside of business, wow, do you see that a lot? We talked about woke culture um, before, um, things that you see in social media, things that you see in the news, this whole divide Globally, I think it's you know comes out of the U.S. media a lot, but I think it's a global issue about this equality, equality of outcome, based on a fairness. It is of course a complete fallacy. I mean, you could get equality of opportunity, but people don't even want outcomes that are are equal. They want outcomes that are relevant to themselves. But based on this fallacy of fairness distortion, um, there's a great deal of the world that believes that equality of outcome. Uh, is the right answer. So there'll be an example of that, that fallacy of distortion, uh, sorry, that fallacy of fairness uh, being a negative bias uh, that really influences and drags down your life. Number eight, underestimating your coping ability to handle negative events. I've told you before stories, uh, particularly with some guests that I've had, about how if you're in my business, you just become numb to the stresses of the solacy, to the stresses of not being able to pay your bank, of the you know, the bankruptcy trustee coming in of, you know, payrolls being missed, which is a horrible thing. But, you know, these are just day to day events for someone in my world, right, that you need to deal with. You just need to fix that problem. You need to get these stakeholders and the people impacted back on side. But if you're not used to that, if you're just a, a new entrepreneur and you end up in a, you know, a partnership dispute or a shareholder battle or litigation, I mean, I mean, it's a negative event that you have no context for. It is devastating. It's devastating. So underestimating your ability to deal with these things, yeah, for sure, that's a that's a, a cognitive distortion that can bring you down. Number nine, entitlement. Entitlement is a filter that causes the, uh, the belief that the same rules that apply to others should not apply to you. Um, listen, no one, no one owes you anything ever. If you're not going through life with that attitude in business um, and just in life in general, uh, if you're not as an employee, oh my goodness, if you're not going through your life with the attitude that no one owes you anything, it's all on you, you're making a huge mistake and that brings you down. Number 10, repeating the same behavior, hoping for different results is Einstein's definition of insanity. How many times? How many times have you heard me say that? Every company I go into, every company I go into that's troubled, you got to change. You got to change. That's what a turnaround leader does. You have to change because what you're doing isn't working. What you're doing isn't working. If you have trouble, what you're doing isn't working. To think that it, you could keep doing it and things are going to work doesn't make any sense. You need to change, right? I talked to you about my three pillars of content my three-legged stool that you need to work on you. You need to work on leadership, turnaround leadership. You need to work on your technical skills. Well, the turnaround leadership part, I say leadership because your business needs to change. If you want to fix your business, you need to change. All right, uh, 11, 
personalizing is a thought distortion and belief that things others do or say is some kind of personal direct reaction on you. <laughs> so true. So true. When I was, uh, I still do it today. I still do it today. But when I was, I told you I was on my own as an entrepreneur when I was in my late 20s and 30s. And I'd be in a deal and, you know, uh, the other side of the deal, the banker, the lender, the prospect didn't call me back. We were in the middle of it. Person disappeared. Didn't call. Didn't email. Uh, well, once we had emails. Uh, <laughs> didn't call. Didn't email. And I would just, I would just internally freak out. Like I would stay up for days muddling and worrying about this process. And I, I'm not, I'm not much of a worrier, but my brain processes stuff nonstop. And, um, you know, was I rejected? What have I done wrong? What can I do better? Like I've just, I'd just be really stressed about this. And you know, almost 100% of the time, I'm not going to say always, but almost 100% of the time, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. People have their own issues. You know, the amount of time that people spend thinking about you is nowhere close to what you think it is. They just don't think about you. Um, you personalize everything. You're, you're, you're going to be dragged down. So I, I completely agree with this point. Number 12, blaming. Blaming is the opposite of personalizing. Eh, maybe. Uh, I don't know if it's the opposite of personalizing, but definitely victim mentality is alive and well uh, in life and in business. Um, you need to go through life. My advice to you, if you want my advice, I try not to, to give it. I just try to tell you what works for me and you get to pick and choose. You get to pick and choose if that makes any sense for you at all. But but everything, you need to just have the attitude that everything is on you. Everything is on you. It doesn't matter what it is. It's on you. What And then if you do that, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's a way to program your brain. And if you do that, you're going to force yourself to think about ways to be better. If you're just victim blaming you're never going to try to be better, okay? Uh, we talk about this a lot in business, by the way. I always give the example of a troubled company needs more money for the bank. And their pitch is, I can't make payroll. How are you going to help me? How are you going to help me? Like, you've been cutting back my line. I need more from you. Or it's all just going to go down and you're going to lose a bunch of money, Mr. Banker. That's the pitch. That's blaming them. That's saying, hey, it's not me. You could also blame the economy. You can blame, you know, whatever. Uh, a certain employee who's not performing, you're blaming somebody else instead of taking responsibility and coming up with an action plan. That's persuasion. Uh, blaming somebody else is not. Number 13, in-group bias uh, is a tendency to trust and respect people who are like you more than those from different backgrounds and experiences. Here's where I start to go offside with John. Um, this is 100% true. There's in-group bias and people do trust and respect people who are like them more than they trust and respect other people, but that's called being human. I don't know that that's a negative cognitive distortion. It's something we need to be aware about, that we operate in bubbles, that there is racism in the world, that we're more comfortable with pattern recognition that we, with pattern recognition that is, uh, that is more common to us. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And we're less comfortable, comfortable with things that are not common to us. That is how human brains operate. What's important is that you recognize that, that you know that you operate in bubbles, that you know that somebody who's different from you um, automatically causes a discomfort. 
um, and you need to fight that, right? But that's just the way it is. 100% of everybody does that. I don't know if that's a real, should be on the list, maybe it should. I don't know. Overthinking is a mindset that worry and uh, rumination will lead to solutions. Worry and rumination will lead to solutions. I don't think that's expressed well, but I have told you on this show before, and I believe I stole this from Ray Dalio, so you can go look up his content, like a multi-billionaire hedge fund manager out of New York. Um, and I, if I got it wrong, whatever, but this is, you know, I, this is what I believe in, whether Ray said that or not, is, he's, is you need to proceed on 70% of the information. And that's a good way to mathematically think about this, to divvy up your brain. Like you don't want to just go with a 50-50, just sort of a crapshoot. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But you can't wait for 100. You can't wait for 90% of the information because speed is important. Lack of speed kills the business. Uh, so act, act on 70% of the information. Don't overthink anything. Have some reliance on your ability to execute once you are in the door. Number 50, multitasking doesn't extend beyond, uh, <laughs> uh, don't multitask. I'm not going to read what he wrote there. Um, I don't disagree with this. I don't do Like his point is, and this is psychologically true, that the, the human brain doesn't multicast. It doesn't do two things at once. It switches really quickly between one thing and that if you're doing two things at once, if you're on the phone and you're writing an email at the same time, your brain is not on the phone you're writing an email at the same time. It's on the phone, it's listening, and then it stops, and it goes to write some email, and then a fraction or a nanosecond later it goes back to the phone, and a nanosecond later it goes back to the email, okay? That's the way it works. It's going bing, back between these, these different uh, tasks that you're, you're multitasking on. It's a, you know, so, so what people tell you is you're better off, so you're not doing other thing well, you're better off focusing uh, on just the one thing. But you know, sometimes the one thing's really slow. I was on a call the other day and this person just like fills in the hour, just, just talks so slow. And while they're off thinking about something, while they're trying to have my attention, I could get out three emails um, without them even knowing and miss zero. Uh, it's a busy world. I, I, I'm all about multitasking. And I'm not going to agree with John's point on this one. 16, failure to chill. According to a report, 23% of workers surveyed said they use all of their paid time off. They did not use all of their paid time off the last 12 months. You don't recharge. You could be anxious. To, uh, you could have depression and lack in productivity. I 100% disagree with this. When you need a break, go take a break. Go take a walk, do your thing. You want a two-week holiday, go do a two-week holiday. You know, in my businesses, I don't track holidays. Just just, just be available. You want to go away to a cottage and not work? That's fine. That's fine. Get your job done. And when I call you, I need you to answer the phone. That's, that's kind of my rules. And so I, I don't care what the contract says. I tell people that up front. Um, you want to go away for a month? Go away for a month. Be available. Okay. And I don't mean be available to work 12 hours on your computer. I mean, get your work done, and then, and then, just be available for a call if I have an emergency. That's that's the rules. Um, if you're burnt out, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, and there's there's real chemical and psychological reasons for depression. I don't want to minimize that, but if it's the work and the stress that's doing it, it's a lack of purpose, right? With the right why, you can overcome everything.
Okay, with the right why, you can overcome everything. You need the purpose. And so I disagree. I disagree with this at all. I don't think that's a frame. I think it's a lack of purpose that causes that problem. 17, cheating on your goals in lieu of making up later, spending work days on your fantasy football draft uh, with plans to make it up later this week is self-sabotage. I rate no on that. Number one, because I do this all the time, not with fantasy football, but other things. But number two is, isn't this exactly... Uh, conflicted with the point above failure to chill is it working on your fantasy football draft a mental break and in fact chilling um, I'm not buying this at all I'm not worried about that what do you think what do you think the point of this was not to agree with everything but to have a discussion about that let me know 18 doubling down on a failed strategy hoping it will eventually yield positive results I once did a martinis with Scott uh, I forget what the title was, but it was basically quit. I was encouraging you to quit. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, as we talked about earlier, and and you're you know you're expecting better results, Einstein's definition of insanity. Uh, don't quit your purpose. Change your strategy. Doubling down on a failed strategy for sure is a mistake. I've given you lots of examples of that. 19, catastrophizing, catastrophizing, being extremely well-educated about all things that could go wrong and expecting the worst. I, I, I don't even know what this one means. I think John was running out of bullet points for his 20 item list. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to move on to number 20. I can't change my way of thinking. Rather than convincing yourself that changing mentalities is too hard, aim for small reductions, uh, yada, yada. This is the heart of the matter. You have this list of, I, I, I've agreed with two-thirds of it, right? You have this list of items that are cognitive distortions that are just bringing you down and holding you back from success. Cool. What are you going to do about it? Like, how do you change that? It's hard. It's really, really hard to change cognitive bias which is what we're talking about that i think this is the heart of the matter if you have any of these filters that we've talked about and i have some of these filters that we talked about as i told you here's three things that i can recommend to you number one and most important is you need to really know you need to understand that this is about pattern recognition within the brain the brain is not equipped to look at a bunch of facts and make a decision i always tell the example, the analogy of you're driving down the highway. You're driving down the highway, you're seven hours, it's dusk or dark, and you're you're not tired, but you're just kind of zoned out and you're just, uh, if you're on the podcast, I was doing some sort of weird move about driving uh, well zoned out and just kind of half paying attention. You know that feeling. If you've ever driven, you know that feeling. A deer runs in front of you. A car cuts you off. What do you do? You, you jump up. Your whole body jumps up and you become attentive. So what was going on there? What was going on is the first seven hours of this trip was pattern recognition. Your brain didn't have to think about very much. It was just going through the motions. It wasn't analyzing every piece of data all the time and saying, okay, we're chill. Just, just zone out. Deer runs in front of you. Car cuts you off. What is your brain doing? It's like, oh, new information. This is not a pattern. This is not a pattern. I better become aware. I better get on this. Okay. So just know, just know that you can, that, that this is about pattern recognition and you can change the patterns. Patterns are habits. 
and you can change those. The way you think about things, the way you do things, and if you know that you can change, if you're a negative thinker, you could change that. That's the most important thing because negativity is not reality. Positive is not reality. It's just a frame. It's just a frame of how you choose to interpret a certain set of facts or what you're perceiving to be facts. And the facts are probably distorted anyways. They're probably not even facts. It's a frame and you can change it, most important. So that's number one. Number two, limit the negativity that you expose yourself to. I've talked before on the show in the business context of turning around a business. You know, uh, managers work with the troubled company and for years, I'm working with right now for years, it's just been, they've just been a shit. And they, you know, how depressing is it to show up every day to work for years and know that things are probably gonna be a little worse today than they used to be. You lose all of your passion. You lose all of the fun. Um, why did you even start in this business? as an owner of this particular trouble business, well, you can limit that. I encourage you to limit that. You, I've talked about finding the time of day. It could be in the morning, could be at night, could be the middle of the day, whatever. Take an hour. If it Take two hours. And if two hours is too much, go back to an hour. But just cram all of the crap that you need to get through, that you hate doing, that turns your stomach, that you've been avoiding. Do it all as hard as you can, as fast as you can in that two hours or that one hour, but then stop. Then stop and for the rest of the day, work on things that are positive. Work on the things that will move your business forward. And what will happen is you've limited your exposure to the negativity and you and you recharge yourself. You, you refine your purpose, you refine your passion, you clear your brain uh, from the stresses that are on it. And you're able to move forward. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Scott, 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 but I got so much crap. I got I got 18 hours of crap that I need to get through of negativity of all these bad things going on. And and even the 18 hours a day, seven days a week, isn't enough to get that done. Yeah, okay. But after the two hours, you're not being productive. You're just worrying. You're worrying. You're going around in circles. You're not sure what to do. You're not being productive. If you just... Uh, if you just worked as hard as you can on bad things for two hours and then moved on, you'd be way better off and you would be just as productive or even more productive and you'd be a hell of a lot happier. A hell of a lot happier. So that's number one. Number one is know. Know that it's, it's pattern recognition. You can change the filters, the way that you look at things. Number two is just limit your exposure to the bad things, to the negativity. And number three, start winning. There's a reason this show is called Winning Momentum. Pick something small and win. If you listen to Dr. Peterson and his uh, 12 Rules for Life, which is, uh, you know, a global, global, massive seller. Um, I think it's rule number one. I don't know, but I, I, I don't remember. But it's make your bed. Get up in the morning, make your bed. Accomplish something. Just do something. Do something and get that accomplishment and then go from there. Don't go backwards. Don't go try to change the whole world. Wake up in the morning and make your bed is his point. Same thing in a business turnaround. Do something that is an accomplishment. Clean the plant. I go into manufacturing plants, pants, plants. They are old and uh, messy. Uh, it's a troubled business, so there's no love. The maintenance isn't done. It's just dusty and dirty. And who the hell wants to work there? Clean the plant. Just clean it. Let's start somewhere. Let's have a clean plant in a, in a manufacturing plant and a, um, an environment that people would be happy in. That's starting to win. And now you wake up in the morning, you think, hey, things might be a little better today. Leaves are cleaner. 
Okay, sanitation's been done in the bathroom. That's a positive thing. Cheers, everybody. Those are the uh, the 20 items from uh, John on mental filters. I thought it was interesting. It'd be a good way to recap some of the things that we talk about on this show. I think I'm going to write a article about this as well and synthesize it down to 10 items, which I think is more appropriate. I think this was a stretch. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Did we miss some? Did he miss some? Uh, do you disagree with my analysis on them? I'd love to know. This has been Martinis with Scott. Hope you have a great week. We will talk to you next week, same time, same place for a drink. Please subscribe. We are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other places I'm not sure about. Uh, check it out. Check it out. Thank you for joining me.